today we're talking about the Law of One, Session 59, received June 25, 1981. Uh, here we have 25 exchanges between Don and Ra. Um, mainly, uh, I would say three quarters of the session's questions regard pyramids. But a couple of interesting questions about third density history, 3D history, at the beginning of the session, and a very interesting uh, exchange between Ra and Don about Jim and Jim's own um, personal process regarding anger. So, uh, which is very useful exchange for us to consider too. So, uh, Law of One Session 59, 59 zero, the greeting, a bit in brackets, I am Ra, I greet you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator, we communicate now. And as always, Don asks about Carla. 59.1, could you first tell me the instrument's condition and why she feels so tired? And Ra says, this instrument's condition is as previously stated. We cannot infringe upon your free will by discussing the latter query. Uh, there were two queries in Don's question. One was, one is, uh, tell me, or what is her condition? Ross says it's as it was before, which uh, is some depletion of vital energy or physical energy, and perhaps likely continuing attack by a negative uh, entity or Orion 5D negative entity. Why, though, does she feel so tired? That is the portion that Ra cannot answer or discuss. That's the latter query. Uh, it would be some combination of her depleted condition and other dynamics, perhaps, of her own mental, emotional process that, um, uh, that Ra felt she needed to discover by herself, or he did, or something going on that, um, you know, is some private matter for her that Ra, Ra doesn't feel it's appropriate to, you know, share publicly. Publicly meaning with Don and, and um, Jim, even. So, <clears throat> Ra's very careful about free will, and in the second exchange, second major exchange, uh, 59.3, there's also um, reference to the law of free will or um, restraint in answering the question from Ra. But before that, Don asked, would it be any greater protection for the instrument if Jim changed his sitting position to the other side of the bed? Ross says no. Uh, Jim had, during the sessions, Jim was sitting, I guess, next to the bed where Carla was in trance, uh, <clears throat> sending love light uh, throughout the session as a protective and supportive uh, metaphysical um, function and um, assistance to the session, to Carla. But which side of the bed wasn't that important, I guess. And here we have the interesting exchange, 59.3. Uh, Don's asking about a question Jim had about his own personal process, uh, pre-incarnative programming, and anger. Don goes, I have a question from Jim that states, quote, I think I have penetrated the mystery of my lifelong anger at making mistakes. 
I think I have always been aware subconsciously of my abilities to master new learnings, but my desire to successfully complete my mission on Earth has been energized by the Orion group into irrational and destructive anger when I fail. Could you comment on this observation? So there are a few observations here from Jim, spoken by Don. One is um, his belief, which seems right, that he's penetrated, I would say somewhat, the mystery of his lifelong anger at making mistakes, which is basically um, uh, perhaps an excessive self-criticism, self-blame, or lack of patience for himself at um, being imperfect, (laughs) making mistakes, which we all do. Why does he have so much anger at making mistakes? Well, everybody gets, most, most people feel anger when they make mistakes, but um, I think he's talking about pretty extreme self-anger and, and uh, acknowledges that he thinks he's always been aware that he has this ability to master new learnings or he's, he has good learning potential, which seems right. Then there's the statement that <clears throat> his desire to successfully complete the mission on Earth uh, was energized by Orion into irrational and destructive anger when he failed. I don't believe that that's logically linked exactly, meaning uh, he has a very strong desire, obviously, to successfully complete his mission on Earth, which means fulfill his life purpose, which means to keep learning and helping, which he's done and continues doing. That itself can't be energized into irrational, destructive anger. But his um, tendencies towards excessive self-criticism or self-blame or anger, you know, irritability or easy-to-be-angered patterns can surely be amped up, and were, I guess. It's the lack of love or the attachment to the anger complex, aversion complex, in mind. That is um, available for energization, energizing by negative entities into, you know, strongly irrational and destructive anger, of course. But the desire to complete one's mission or the desire to keep learning, the desire to fulfill one's life purpose, uh, per se, I think, isn't um, that which gets amped up <laughs> into somehow becoming irrational, destructive anger when failing. It's a tendency, it's attachment to the anger complex, meaning I feel strong when I'm angry. Uh, I feel right when I harshly blame myself. I deserve to be punished by me when I fail. Um, I'm not going to be soft on myself. I should be harsh on myself. I should correct myself harshly, strongly, roughly when I fail. That then will be available for amping up into a highly charged, irrational, destructive anger. That's what gets charged up, not the uh, desire to successfully complete one's life purpose. So, but, um, interestingly, Ra's response at 59.3 completely 
uh, sidesteps any mention of Orion and amping up or energizing, energization, uh, intensification of Orion of his tendencies, but focuses his attention uh, back to his own balancing. And that's a very uh, important deflection because the problem is not Orion, the problem is us and how we uh, make ourselves available for further uh, distortion or intensification of distortion by negative entities. They do what they do all the time. If they are avail if, if they are successful in doing so, it's because we've made ourselves vulnerable to their further distortion for or their intensifying distortion upon us. Ra explains, we would suggest that as this entity, Jim, is aware of its position as a wanderer, it may also consider what pre-incarnative decisions it undertook it undertook to make regarding the personal or self-oriented portion of the choosing to be here at this particular time-space. This entity is aware, as stated, that it has a great potential, but potential for what? This is the pre-incarnative question. The work of sixth density is to unify wisdom and compassion. This entity abounds in wisdom. The compassion it is desirous of balancing has, as its antithesis, lack of compassion. In the more conscious being, this expresses or manifests itself as lack of compassion for self. We feel that this is the sum of the suggested concepts for thought which we may offer at this time without infringement. No talk about Orion. Why? because um, self-balancing is, is job number one. And when that's been well done, uh, Orion goes elsewhere. So, Ra's indicating, um, <clears throat> just, as Don, just as Jim knows that he's a wanderer, he may also consider, as a wanderer, what kind of uh, decisions he made before birth regarding the the realm of personal or self-oriented choosing to be here, meaning the second chakra portion of catalyst, or catalyst associated with the personal or self-oriented realm of personal experience, the self-oriented portion of the choosing to be here, meaning the pre-incarnative decisions or um, specific forms of um, program catalyst determined before birth that are associated with uh, the personal or self-oriented realm of experience, which is very much second chakra zone. And so Ra is directing Jim to look at uh, the the matter of why he might have chosen certain pre-incarnative catalyst that impinges upon his questions, his relationship um, of self to self, or his sense of personal well-being, or his sense of himself, which is very second chakra, different than the interpersonal or self and other oriented portion of catalyst. So there's the catalyst we may choose that that is primarily relationshipal or relational or associated with interpersonal group and group dynamics, like partner. 
or family. But here we're talking about self to self or conscious mind to unconscious mind or matrix of mind to potentiator of mind or the sense of personal self to the unconscious or the deeper psychology of oneself. What, why did he choose to be here in terms of that? And again, so you see Ra is basically saying, look here, look here, look here. And he goes, and Ra goes on then, yeah, Jim is aware, as stated, true, that he has great potential. True. Potential for what? So, you know, um, the key is, if you want understanding, you need detailed understanding. You need incisive, penetrating vision, or knowing, or seeking, or questioning, or articulating, um, to really know anything. Most times, if we don't go deep with our thinking, we don't even know what we're saying. People say, oh, God is love. What does it mean? Huh? Well, there's a lot of hate in the world. How do you say God is love? Uh, mm, uh, mm. Most people couldn't, couldn't work with that. Why? Because they haven't um, developed buddhi. Buddhi is discriminative insight, discriminative wisdom, meaning the willingness to look in, look in, untangle, separate, unite, um, consider the fine details, subtle penetrating awareness, or discriminative insight or thinking or wisdom, that's how we know actually what's what, <laughs> at least conceptually. So, yeah, he has great potential. Potential for what? What, what, is, you know, what was the potential he sought to develop in the, per, in the personal or self-oriented portion of life experience as the pre-incarnative desire uh, for learning? There's outer learning, there's inner learning. What about the inner learning? And so Ra answers his, his own question, his own question without, <laughs> without saying so. So he's aware he has great potential, but potential for what? That's the pre-incarnative question means that's the question relevant to really knowing in detail the pre-incarnative desire uh, or desires uh, he has, he had or is seeking to fulfill uh, that are associated with easy anger to self and um, strong anger when he makes mistakes. And so Ra's going back again to the big view that he's a six-density wanderer. So Ra says, this is the pre-incarnative question. But Ra doesn't say your potential is, uh, you know, it's a specific, this is the specific potential that you incarnated to develop. Ra then just goes back to the metaphysics of what six density is all about. The work of six density is to unify wisdom and compassion. Typical Buddhist Theravada, uh, uh, Vajrayana, big talker out there. The typical Tibetan Buddhist approach or understanding of Bodhisattva uh, is wisdom and unification of wisdom and compassion. Totally the same as the full development balancing of the blue-green center. Wisdom and compassion, fifth ray, fourth ray, the true mind, transpersonal mind, the heart of mind, to bring them together, to develop the heart of mind fully. Uh, that's the work of six density, and that's associated with what Jim has chosen for himself for learning in this incarnation relating to the personal or self-oriented portion of pre-incarnative catalyst. And then Ra explains that. Jim, the entity, a balance in wisdom, great wisdom, 
Well, what about love? So then he go. Ra goes on. You see, this is the way teacher teacher doesn't uh, connect all the dots. You've got to connect them yourself. So sixth density is about love, wisdom, wisdom, compassion, unification, requiring equal balance, equal development, or comparable development and integration. So he's got a lot of wisdom. What about love? Then he, Ra goes on. The compassion it or da, or Jim is desirous of balancing has the antithesis, lack of compassion. So he wants compassion, or he needs compassion, and actually, of course, compassion <laughs> is the potential for learning uh, in the personal and self-oriented area of program catalyst or life experience that is related to this question of why am I getting so angry um, when I make mistakes? And he's thinking Orion, and Ra's saying, no, baby, it's compassion. You need more self-compassion. So it's desirous of balancing uh, compassion or developing compassion or love in the more conscious entity, in the more conscious being now, this lack of compassion that, that Ra has identified without stating so, Ra has identified the issue here as lack of compassion. And in the more conscious being, lack of compassion manifests as lack of compassion for self. So wanderers, there are lots and lots of goodly wanderers, and spiritual people, wander or not, who uh, are pretty good to others, but pretty harsh on self. And that's the more common arrangement or configuration, as Ross saying, for the more conscious being, meaning the more advanced soul, meaning the soul that has done more spiritual work, meaning the soul that is uh, more committed to the positive path, um, do no harm, ahimsa, harmlessness. Yet, um, the first level of harmlessness for somebody, you know, who's very committed to the, to self-transformation on the positive path, the first level, or what normally takes precedence, is do no harm to others while the entity does harm to self. So all of you folks <laughs> in the group and in the greater groups um, who um, are, are quite committed to not hurting anyone, you ought to look at, are you hurting yourself? Do you hurt yourself? Do you put yourself down? Do you, is there a lack of compassion in how you feel about yourself? Do you demonstrate lack of compassion for yourself? Or do you take good care of yourself in love and kindness? So the more conscious entity um, manifests their as yet unbalanced love wisdom in the area of love or compassion as lack of compassion for self and greater compassion for other. And that's all Ra's going to say. This is the sum of suggested concepts or thought which we may offer at this time without infringement, and that's it. And that's all. And that's a lot, actually. I can talk about it for half an hour. And Jim, I'm sure, uh, reflected on that and could learn. So, then... 59.4, at the end of Don's question, at the end of the second major cycle, meaning uh, 25,000 years ago, two major cycles had occurred 75,000 to 50, 50 to, to 25,000 years ago, there were a few hundred thousand people incarnate on Earth, Ross said. There are over 4 billion incarnate today, 7 billion now. We're the extra, the over 4 billion who are incarnate today, were they in the earth planes, but not incarnated at that time, or did they come in from elsewhere during the last 25,000-year cycle? 
Thank you, Don. Uh, so where did the at that and you know now we're talking about seven billion people seven billion souls that are now on earth in body so it seems uh that's seven billion uh which is seven billion more than the number of people number of uh, incarnate humans on earth twenty five thousand years ago where did they come from it's a great question Ross says, there were three basic divisions of origin of these entities. Oh, you know, only Ron knows this and doesn't bullshit around like other channels that, that talk yakety yak. Ron just gives you the answer. If they can give it, they'll give it. If they can't, they'll say they can't, and that's the end of that. This is, this is a real teacher. Ron says, firstly and primarily, uh, those of the planetary sphere you call Maldek, having become able to take up third density once again, were gradually loosed from self-imposed limitations of form. Two. Secondly, there were those of other third density entrants, or neophytes, whose vibratory patterns matched the Terran experiential nexus. These then filtered in through incarnative processes. Thirdly, in the past approximate 200 of your years, you have experienced much visiting of the wanderers, it may be noted that all possible opportunities for incarnation are being taken at this time due to your harvesting process and the opportunities which this offers. So, it's um, specific, but not too much in detail, this tripartite answer. Three origins of the seven billion, currently, over the several hundred thousand incarnated human beings uh, 25,000 years ago. First from Maldek, meaning they got out of their Bigfoot bodies, take up their density, meaning take human form, again, loosed from self-imposed limitations of form, meaning they, you know, uh, were conscious, consciousness developed adequately to no longer need reincarnation in second density, advanced second density Bigfoot gorilla-type bodies. <laughs> I can't imagine there were so many, but you never know, right? Of the 7 billion on Earth today, uh, how many people, humans, uh, are living a very rough, difficult life um, with some primitivity in either mind or body or, and or life conditions, and a rough life, not, 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 not well, not comfortable? That, uh, many of them may be from Maldek, uh, because there's a long path up from the pit. Uh, of self-learning uh, post-planetary annihilation. If you blow up your own planet, or you're part of that, or those souls that were part of that, um, have a somewhat long climb back up into mid-third density um, configurations of mind, body, and, and life experience. Uh, that just seems to be the karmic, karmic um, sequence here. But maybe many. Uh, then we have others from other third density planets, uh, other planets in third density now, uh, whose patterns of mind or consciousness um, as third density beings match or have harmony somehow with the Terran. That's Ra's used for term for Earth, Terra. I think that's Latin, uh, while Gaia is Greek. So Terra 
terra firma, firm earth or solid earth. Terran experiential nexus means um, three, third density human level souls from other third density related or third density cycling planets whose uh, conditions of consciousness or development of consciousness somehow uh, is harmonious enough to be incarnated um, in a third stage, third density planet, last stage, third density planet like Earth, right? Three major cycles of 25,000 years in the 75,000 year master cycle, starting 75,000 years ago, third phase, third cycle, third density planet, now in its last portion of third density before dimensional shift and harvest, three-way split, uh, new heaven and new earth, uh, not all souls of other third density cycling planets would be appropriate or harmonious for incarnation now. But some are, some aren't, and those are here, or some are here, filtered in through incarnative processes, meaning they're just born the normal way. Then we're talking about wanderers, and that's not a large, we're not talking about a billion or a million, we're talking about several millions. You know, Raj said 60, 65 million in 1981 or so of the number of wanderers, and I've said in my books and around that about 100 million today, maybe. That's about 1.5% of population. So 100 million out of 7 billion is what, 1.5%, 1-2%, nothing more, not even 2%. So, uh, we're not talking about a lot of wanderers here, but it is true that there are 6th density wanderers, particularly, and 4th density wanderers, who are our first time here. Um, there are many, many of the, many of the first time wanderers here are 4th are density, but there are also there's also a significant number, perhaps even the greater number, of first time six density wanderers who have only come in the last two hundred years. Since what? Seventeen eighty one? Since the end of the eighteenth century? Alright, sure. Um, to assist with harvest or to shed you know, just to shed or spread or share love light radiance, particularly to assist Earth with its um, energy transformation associated with dimensional shift and the beginning of the fourth density cycle. All possible opportunities for incarnation are being taken at this time, um, meaning as many as can come in can come in. And, and so you talk about the population problem. I don't think that Earth really has a population problem. <laughs> it has a morality problem. <laughs> if humanity was uh, firmly committed to the moral principles of the positive path called ahimsa, do no harm, and golden rule, don't hurt others, don't treat or treat others as you wish them to treat you, don't do to them what you don't want them to do to you. If earth humanity was uh, <laughs> well settled in morality, um, <laughs> countless problems would disappear. But um, there certainly has been apparent, apparently, a population explosion or a massive increase in population. And that's, you can say, well, due to third world uh, demographics and uh, inequity and economic exploitation and all that. And that's true. And that also is associated with the metaphysical principle. 
And I believe that's this principle, that all possible opportunities for incarnation are being utilized, are being taken now, because um, we're at the time of harvest, and that's a great opportunity for 3D souls of, of various levels of development. 59.5, just to clarify that this could tell, just to clarify that, could you tell me approximately how many total my body spirit complexes were transferred to Earth at the beginning of this last 75,000 year period? And so then we were getting some sense from Ra of the uh, population development in the entirety of this 3D cycle or last 75,000 years. Ra said, the transfer, as you call it, has been gradual. Over 2 billion souls are those of Maldek which have successfully made the transition. And approximately 1.9 billion souls have, from many portions of the creation, entered into this experience at various times. The remainder are those who have experienced the first two cycles upon this sphere or who have come in at some point as wanderers. Some wanderers having been in this sphere for many thousands of years, others having come far more recently. So this is an important um, response to not only understand the, the population mix of Earth humanity, but also to understand um, the ba a basic parameter of wanderer's incarnation. So, <clears throat> obviously, um, human population 75,000 years ago was small and increased very rapidly in the last 25,000 years. Today, we're talking 7 billion. Don's time was uh, 4 billion. Uh, the transfer uh, or the um, progressive population increase that is the result of souls either getting out of third density out of Maldek you know, Bigfoot bodies and um, transferred from other 3D planets and uh, wanderers coming in that, that transfer which is the basis of population increase on Earth obviously has is trans is, is been gradual so we've got 2 billion souls from Maldek and then 1.9 uh, from many portions of the creation, which I believe is primarily other third density planets in this sector of the galaxy, then in this galaxy, Milky Way, then in other associated galaxies, but primarily from this galaxy and this portion of this galaxy, I would assume primarily from other third density planets uh, associated with the seven solar systems of which ours is but one. Ron talked about seven linked solar systems. I believe that's where we've got the connection between Sirius and Pleiades and Earth. And so in the Pleiadian system, in the Syrian system, I assume there are third density planets who, uh, some portion of whose population has been transferred to Earth voluntarily. And then uh, other portions of the galaxy, and then uh, other galaxies. And then finally, you've got a small number who came from, uh, who are wanderers from 4th, 5th, 6th density, uh, other planets. And in terms of wanderers, uh, you've got some who've been here for thousands of years, meaning uh, 
since Atlantean time? I mean, you've got a, I imagine there probably are a very small number of wanderers who've uh, been incarnating on Earth through, you know, <laughs> Lemurian times. Then you've probably got a smaller number, a small number, but a little larger, who've been incarnating consistently since Atlantis. Then you've got a larger number who've been incarnating since what? Biblical times, Moses, Akhenaten, 3,500 years ago or so. Then you've got a greater number that came in during the time of Yeshua, and a greater number who came in, what, uh, the Industrial Revolution, 18th century, and then a greater number that's come in, or, or at least a continuing number coming in now, 20th century or so, to be here for harvest. <clears throat> that's also been gradual. But I would say, if we're talking 7 billion now, um, are we talking 3 billion from Maldek? Maybe, I don't know. But I, I would say that it's the 1.9 billion is probably more like 4, and the 2 billion Maldek is probably more like 3. And so you've got three, 2 to 3 billion from Maldek, and 4 billion plus um, 3D repeaters from other 3D planets. And then you've got, you know, what, 100 million wanderers, which is not very much. That's the mix. But don't underestimate the metaphysical uh, drag um, exerted by uh, a 30-40% uh, human population origin uh, from Maldek. Meaning 30-40% of Earth humanity may be from Maldek. That's not a, a lovely uh, consideration. That, that exerts a metaphysical drain or drag, I'd say, and keeps, keeps the low vibration um, of second, third chakra blockage <clears throat> and, and associated tendencies of mind of selfishness and materialism and uh, limited perception and uh, lack of seeking and destructiveness. Keeps it um, well-stoked in the collective uh, metaphysical atmosphere. 59.6, we, Don leaves that and goes into some questions on pyramids. And uh, with the discussion of pyramids, we'll um, go through till the end of the session. Don says, I'm trying to understand the three spirals of light in the pyramid shape. I'd like to question on each. The first spiral, which I think starts below the Queen's Chamber and ends in the Queen's Chamber, is it correct? Ross says it's not correct. The first notion, Ross says, the first notion of upward spiraling light is as that of the scoop, the light energy being scooped in through the attraction of the pyramid shape through the bottom of the base, or the bottom or base. Thus, the first configuration is a semi-spiral, so if you visualize in mind a pyramid, the Giza pyramid, there's an underground resonating chamber. There, the first spiral is uh, akin to a scoop or a semi-spiral. It is scooped in, um, not of earth energy, but of uh, all streaming universal prana or intelligent energy, light, love, love, light. Not earth energy, but it's obviously uh, you know, associated with under the earth because the resonating chamber and below the pyramid is under the earth. But there's a semi-spiral scoop. That's the first spiral. And comes into the resonating chamber 
or, or the, the crypt below the pyramid. Uh, Don goes on, would this be similar to the vortex you get when you release the water from the bathtub? Ross said, this is correct, except that in the case of this action, the meaning um, water going down the drain in the bathtub, except in the case of this action, the cause is gravitic, gravity, whereas in the case of the pyramid, the vortex is that of upward spiraling light being attracted by the electromagnetic fields engendered by the shape of the pyramid. As we've said before, pyramid is like a pranic scoop, or a, sorry, a pranic funnel. So a pranic funnel function uh, um, achieved or determined by the <clears throat> ratios uh, and geometrics uh, of the particulars of the shape of the pyramid, meaning the apex angle, the height, the length of the sides, circumference of the base, the um, relationship between the sides, and um, uh, all of the geometrics is the shape, 3D shape, <clears throat> that engenders particular electromagnetic fields. Uh, which are the three spirals of upward spiraling light, light love, intelligent energy, that are made use of by <clears throat> the chambers of the pyramid. And um, uh, the uh, spirals in that case of the pyramid are um, electromagnetic time-space-space-time phenomena, not gravitic not associated with gravity, as is the draining spiral of water from a bathtub. 58.9, or 59.8. Then, the first spiral, after this semi-spiral, <clears throat> is the spiral used for study and healing relative to the queen's chamber position. Where does this first spiral begin and end? So we've got a semi-spiral scoop coming through the bottom of the pyramid, then we have a first spiral, or whatever you want to call it, next spiral used for study and healing, in Don's question. How does that relate to the position of the queen's chamber, uh, which I believe is uh, below <clears throat> the king's? I, I forget these things sometimes. The spiral, Ross says, the spiral which is used for study and healing begins at or slightly below the queen's chamber position. Depending on your earth and cosmic rhythms, it moves through the king's chamber position, which is above the queen's, I guess, because the king um, is in the missionary position above the queen. It moves through the king's chamber position in a sharply delineated form and ends at the point whereby the top approximate third of the pyramid may be seen to be intensifying the energy. The top approximate third of the pyramid is, uh, I guess, above the king's chamber. So we've got the semi-spiral scoop coming in through the base, which is under the earth, associated with the resonating chamber. Then we've got a, another spiral, or what could be called a first spiral, that can be used for study and healing, um, although the queen's chamber is used for initiation. So I'm not sure about that. That then begins below the queen's chamber, 
depending on you know uh, planetary rhythms um, and as they affect the electromagnetics uh, of that location as they affect then the, the movement you know the positioning of the spirals that spiral then moves through the king's chamber in a sharply different delineated way delineated form and ends at the point some point um, in an inductive coiling uh, up to the the peak uh, somewhere associated with the top approximate third of the pyramid if you look at the image that Jim produced uh, Jim did a, a great graphic of this and so you can see where they're starting and stopping uh, but uh, there Ra will explain more here in 59.9 Don's asking now there the first spiral is obviously different somehow than the second and third spirals um, or they have different uses and different properties the second spiral then starts at the end of the first spiral and goes up I assume to the apex of the pyramid is it correct Ross said this is partially correct the large spiral is drawn into the vortex of the apex of the pyramid that's the second spiral the large spiral however some light energy which is of the more intense nature of the red shall we say end of the spectrum is spiraled once again causing an, an enormous strengthening uh, and focusing of energy which is then used for the building and I guess that's um, the second spiral you know I'm not perfect on this but obviously the second starts where the first ends so you've got a semi scoop semi spiral scoop below the pyramid um, morphing into a first spiral that goes through the Queen's and the King's chamber in some way you've got a third spiral uh, which I believe is um, associated with the which is associated with what goes up into the apex internally the third spiral comes off the apex externally so this large spiral drawn into the apex the vortex of the apex of the pyramid internally is associated with the second spiral but there's sort of a double spiraling perhaps because Ross said some light energy uh, more associated with red spectrum red end of the spectrum is spiraled once again I don't know is that a doubling of the second spiral I don't know it sounds like some kind of doubling of a seconds of the second spiral in some way before it hits the peak internally before it goes to the third spiral which is the fountain off the peak or apex uh, this is this second more intense aspect of uh, the second spiral I guess um, can be used for building so what does that mean you could put a room somewhere in that second spiral and build something there <laughs> I don't know how that would be done I don't think that's what exactly what they mean but the nature of that second spiral is quite intense enormous strengthening and focusing of energy which I'm sure negative entities have made use of so uh, that's a second spiral still internal 5910 Don asks about the third, and then the third spiral radiates from the top of the pyramid. Is it correct? Ross said the third complete spiral does so. It is correct. It is well to reckon 
with the foundation semispiral, which supplies the prana for all that may be affected by the following by the three following upward spirals of light. And so Ra seems to indicate yes, the third spiral can be considered that which radiates or streams from the top or peak or apex of the pyramid. That's the third complete spiral. Meanwhile, you've got the foundational semi-spiral. So Ra's saying, yes, that's the third complete spiral. However, the foundational semi-spiral is very important. It supplies the prana for all that may be affected by the three following or subsequent upward spirals of light, or it's one spiral of light, you see. <laughs> it's just three types of, conf- of energy configuration of that uh, unbroken upward spiraling light. So a, a, a continuous streaming upward light spiral from below the pyramid goes through the pyramid to the internal uh, vortex, apex, apex vortex, then streams off the top. So you've got a semi-spiral scoop supplying prana or intelligent energy, same. Uh, Then, um, depending on the geometrics of the pyramid, you've got particular spiral configurations or particular energic configurations of the upward of the three complete upward spirals or three complete uh, configurations upward of upward spiraling light um, three complete spirals or spiral configurations of upward streaming light two in the pyramid one off the peak okay 5911 Don says, now I am trying to understand what happens in this process. I'll call the first semi-spiral zero position and the other three spirals one, two, and three. The first spiral uh, coming out of the semi-spiral scoop being study and healing. Why does what change takes place in light from the zero position to the first into the first spiral that makes the first spiral available for healing and study? It's an interesting question because we're really saying what changes really are occurring in that upward spiraling light uh, associated with what we're calling each of the three distinct complete spirals. Why do we call it a spiral? What does it even mean? Uh, And how does it morph, in a sense, from the uh, scoop, the semi-spiral scoop, to a first complete spiral um, that we may be used for healing and study? Ra explains, the prana, scooped in by the pyramid shape, gains coherence of energetic direction. The term, quote, upward spiraling light, quote, unquote, is an indication, not of your up and down concept, but an indication of the concept of that which reaches towards the source of love and light. Thus, all prana, all light or prana is upward spiraling, but its direction, as you understand this term, is unregimented and not useful for work. Well, heavy answer here. So, the prana, or light, or intelligent energy, scooped in by the geometrics, mathematics of the pyramid shape, um, gains or uh, 
manifests um, distinct coherence of energetic direction. It doesn't mean up to the sky or down to the earth. Upward spiraling light, then, Ross says, indicates the concept of reaching towards the source of love and light. But the source of love and light is not in the sky as distinct from down in the in the dirt. The source of love and light actually um, represents uh, a, a an achieved coherence of energetic direction or achieved energetic coherence that um, resonates or vibrates in harmony with um, the law of one or a complete non-distorted condition. What does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's not that the light, uh, the source of love and light is not in the sky more than it is in the dirt, um, meaning up, not down. The source of love and light, um, in terms of energetics, is the energetic configuration or coherence associated with non-distortion, meaning uh, an energetic configuration or coherence that um, is of seven-dimensional uh, harmony, is of harmony with the um, logoic etheric body, with the intelligent, the condition of non-distorted intelligent energy, or intelligent energy um, that resonates with um, with the with the sort with intelligent infinity, <laughs> non-distorted intelligent energy, or intelligent energy with a seven uh, frequency array that has no distortion whatsoever. What does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> Ask Gautama and Nityananda, they know. But um, the, the, what's, what's really happening in the uh, achievement of the three, of what we call three spirals, is particular coherence of energetic direction, not up and down direction. <laughs> it's um, direction towards uh, non-distortion. <laughs> so what we call shape and, and energetic shape, physical material shape, as well as um, energetic um, field and vibratory um, coherence or, you know, energy coherence or um, field dynamics, energy wave particle field dynamics. Uh, that configuration, more or less distorted, more or less regularized, more or less crystallized, more or less um, in harmony with seven-ray non-distortion. Um, that, that is the um, re that, that tendency is what's being um, developed in, by the three energy spirals that are three distinct uh, co for configurations of energy coherence um, s seeking, in a sense, um, full resonance with seven-ray non-distortion. That, that's as far as I understand it. <laughs> but I don't understand it too well. So, uh, alright, <laughs> that, that, that's why you, you can't you can't describe in concept, I think, 
um, uh, the metaphysical nature of invisible energy formations or visible energy configurations uh, with our current language and without being fully enlightened. You know, even Gautama and Nichinanda and these guys and Ramana Maharshi, they don't spend time talking about um, scientific energy um, terminology because, um, first of all, it's not that helpful for complete and perfect enlightenment. When you know it, when you're there, you'll know it. But um, it really can't be well put into words. And I'm certainly not trained. Don could do it better than, than most and uh, better than me. But you see, he's working, he's struggling too to, to um, establish the useful um, scientific terminology for um, metaphysical distinctions. Coherence of energetic direction, not up and down, but towards um, non-distortion, towards seven-ray um, watt crystallization or... Um, harmony with the law of one? What does it mean? It, it means seven ray um, perfection, <laughs> whatever that may be, or um, intelligent energy um, being in harmony with, with, logoic, with, with logoic mind. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, all light or, spana or prana um, is upward, quote, upward spiraling. But this upward isn't really upward, it's really more um, inward. <laughs> up and in. The way up is the way in. But the way in is not, um, is not uh, separative to, to the field. It's to, to the essence of the field. It's towards essential beingness. The essential being that could be called inner to the more distorted display of matter and energy, which is called outer. <laughs> so, but uh, light or prana, in this case, is being seen, the all-streaming prana that the pranic, pranic funnel pyramid um, configures is configuring what was previously unregimented or not useful for work. So, regimentation is <laughs> really coherence. Coherence of energy direction is necessary for all spiritual work. And that's called efficient use of catalyst, or meeting our momentary experience in uh, love and uh, lo love and wisdom, you know? Wisdom and compassion, bringing wisdom and compassion is, an, is a consciousness coherence um, of the seven-ray self, is an increased coherence and harmonized configuration of the energetics of the seven-ray self, the total seven-dimensional self, so as to do the spiritual work of, you know, lower chakra blockage release and higher chakra development and balancing and contact with intelligent infinity and, uh, you know, the whole seven chakra working is the work that proceeds from um, organizing, cohering, into more usable configuration, upward spiraling light from the root chakra to the crown. Same. 59.12, and this will be... Um, we're going to have to, unfortunately, end in the middle of this discussion 
in a couple of questions, but we'll pick it up next time. 59.12, could I assume then that from all points in space, light radiates in our illusion outward in a 360 degree solid angle, and this scoop shape with the pyramid then creates the coherence to this radiation as a focusing mechanism. Is it correct? It's precisely correct. Bing, bing. And so, um, from all points in space, what we call points, <laughs> they're not points, but we perceive them as points, because we perceive dualistic space, or space is dualistic, or space. Uh, from what we perceive as space, which we conceive as multiple points in that perceived space, we may say that light, intelligent energy, radiates outward in a 360-degree solid angle. How about that? A solid angle. But, um, yes, the scoop shape or the uh, semi-spiral first scooping into the bottom of the pyramid creates coherence to that radiation, is a focusing mechanism, and begins the usable uh, configuration of ever-streaming undifferentiated or unregimented, non-focused uh, universal prana into the three spirals that are useful for work. Then, 59.13, then the first spiral has a different factor of cohesion, you might say, than the second. What is the difference between this first and second spiral? Ross says, as the light is funneled into what you term the zero position, this is the semi-spiral scoop, it reaches the point of turning. This acts as a compression of the light, multiplying tremendously its coherence and organization, and um, you know, changing the upward spiraling light configuration uh, from a semi-spiral scoop to a first full complete spiral. That first complete spiral is the result of light being tremendously multiplied in coherence and organization, meaning really useful for work and much more intensified and focalized. And that occurs, uh, what, below the, the queen's chamber, but above the scoop or within the body of the pyramid, uh, but above the uh, semi-spiral scoop at the bottom, all right? We'll be do one more, 59.14, and then we'll end. Um, then, is this, Kohitan asked then, is the coherence and organization multiplied once more at the start of the second spiral? Is there just a doubling effect or an increasing effect? Ross said, this is difficult to discuss in your language. There is no doubling effect, but a transformation across boundaries of dimension. So that light, which was working for those using it in space-time, in space-time, time-space configuration, becomes light working in what you may consider an interdimensional time-space, space-time configuration. This, become, this causes an apparent diffusion and weakness of the spiraling energy. However, in position two, as you've called it, <clears throat> much work may be done interdimensionally. And um, uh, what we're talking about here is um, the transit from what's called the first spiral to the second spiral. The first spiral, the first complete spiral begins below the queen's chamber and ends above the king's chamber 
The second spiral begins above the king's chamber and ends internal to the pyramid at the apex vortex. The third spiral obviously fountains from the peak. Uh, what's happening in the transit from first to second spiral, which is a transit or transformation occurring above the king's chamber, is um, a kind of transformation across boundaries of dimension, or a transit from space-time, time-space, to time-space, space-time. <laughs> it's a um, it, it's a transformation from a um, physical uh, uh, the the it's a it's a changed balance or a a transformed um, mode of interplay, <laughs> a transformed mode of interplay between physical, non-physical, to non-physical, physical. From visible, invisible, to invisible, visible. <laughs> so, it's uh, an apparent diffusion and weakness of the spiraling energy, which is the apparent weakness of people who are spiritual compared to those who are totally material and body-oriented and identified. There is a certain weakness that happens in body, and a certain weakness... Um, in manifestation in space-time of those who are mainly working in time-space and those who are mainly working from higher chakras associated more with time-space. But we're talking about a transformation or transubstantiation or radical change of energy coherence or configuration that could be called across boundaries of dimension light which was working for those using it physical to non-physical becomes light working for those or from the basis of uh, non-physical to physical and interdimensional i mean they're both interdimensional but the first spiral is working more from physical to non-physical and the second spiral involves potential for work coming from the non-physical to the physical or from time-space to space-time. Anyway, uh, much work, obviously, in the second spiral, position two, which has no room, you see. There's no, in the, the realm of the zone of the pyramid internally above the king's chamber, there ain't no other chamber. At least, uh, not on the image here. Uh, but much work may be done interdimensionally there. And so, <laughs> here, in the second spiral, which is uh, interdimensional, we shall um, diffuse today's class and end uh, the first half of session 59 and uh, next week we will pick up with the second half of uh, session 59 as well as some reflections I'd like to offer on Giza pyramid as analogy for the seven dimensional self mind body spirit complex seven dimensional uh, tripartite energy consciousness being below the diaphragm one two three lower triad above the diaphragm to the neck or to the to the head the green blue blue green center true mind head chakra spirit complex six seven um as an analogy for the giza pyramid three spirals or uh, a correspondence between the giza pyramid three spirals structure, function, and 
the seven-dimensional, seven-chakra, three-part uh, body, mind, spirit, complex, or us. The analogy is quite interesting, and um, we'll have time for that next time. So next time, next week, we'll pick up at um, 59.15, a discussion about uh, the second spiral below the apex internally, and then the third spiral, and then the shell of the pyramid, and some more about angles, and um, wrap up the discussion with something about harvest, Uh, And that'll be the second half of session 59. So thank you very much for being here, everyone. I wish you all well. Take good care. See you next time, and good night.